0: Boom 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 boom. Welcome to the Good Energy Project with Lou <laughs> Connor. A surprisingly hopeful and upbeat show about economics, climate change and our future on planet Earth.
1: Good evening. Welcome to the Good Energy Project. This show is going to be a bit different. Instead of interviewing someone, I'm going to share a wonderful conversation I had over Zoom with a Māori researcher, teacher and cultural translator called Hemi Hirimi. I met Hemi through Marceline and Tua, at the Quattro Trust who are supporting my work. They're also supporting Hemi to create a book and an online course around the stuff we we'll are be talking about. Hemi got in touch with Marceline after reading the guest blog which Tua wrote and hearing my interview with them. He wanted to express his excitement and support for the idea that Aotearoa could take a lead in reducing energy use and waste through nurturing the pride and diversity of our communities. Along with his email, Hemi included an article which he wrote for the spin-off. It's called The Sunday Essay, Two Waka, Three Iwi, Three Hapu. It was published on the 30th of July. Reading that article captured my imagination and spurred me to get in touch with Hemi. It's a beautifully poetic account of his life story. He speaks about how during his childhood he moved between worlds, there was Waiotapu, the small forestry village near Rotorua, where he grew up. Fakatane, where he spent holidays with his cousins, and a place called Parairoa, in Te Uruwera, or Up the River as he called it. This is the spiritual home of Ngaituhoi, his mother's whānau, and the place that spoke most deeply to his soul. There seemed to be no barrier between adults and children, horses and dogs, whānau and whenua, he wrote. Everyone and everything came together as one world, our world. In this world, the connections to the land did all the speaking. This was a place where capitalism and the notion of private property had not yet arrived. I was so intrigued by reading this, by that place which he described, and how Parairoa seems to have called back to him throughout his life as he's learned about and come to terms with our history and the effects of colonization. Hemi writes about how our modern world is dominated by a European philosophy which separates us from the natural world and from each other. He suggests that the Māori philosophy of ranginui and Papatuanuku offers a remedy to the crises we face and a spiritual foundation to bring our country together with hope, pride and diversity. The conversation was actually two hours long, so I've split it into two parts and today I'll share with you the first half.
2: I'm
1: looking forward to um, to our conversation. Yeah, me too. I loved reading your piece that you sent us. I feel very much in line with your thoughts on, on getting down to the philosophical and spiritual level and having a change of thinking.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's something that I've been interested in for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the the stars are aligning. The, the time is right. Maybe the time is a little bit late. but. Um, but it's... Yeah, that it's becoming more fashionable now to talk about uh, different knowledges.
0: Mm, and
2: mm. just recently I found out what I am, and apparently I'm a intercultural translator.
1: Ah. Oh,
2: yeah, cool. I thought so too. I thought, well, wow, <laughs> a teacher. I used thought
1: you were a teacher. Yeah.
2: Well, the cultural translation comes from a portuguese uh, scholar boaventura de souza santos oh
0: yeah and
2: someone who engages in cultural translation mm. has conversations about different knowledges that are anchored in different cosmologies mm. and so i've always had this interest in colonialism but from a cosmological Perspective, mm, yeah, yeah,
0: perspective. Mm. and
2: um, yeah, it, it's become fashionable now to talk about. It's, it's called epistemological pluralism,
0: mm. but
2: it's just looking at multiple ways of knowing and being in the world, mm. and appreciating that you know the table of knowledge has been pretty bare over the centuries. So, uh, one person sitting at the table. Um, with a particular type of knowledge. And so what's happening around the world is more and more people are starting to say, well, your universality is one of the many problems that we need to overcome. Mm. There's a lot of subjugated knowledges that Fugo talks about.
0: yeah, yeah.
2: To resurrect those subjugated knowledges, so feminist knowledge. Libyan knowledge, intuitive knowledge. Yeah. So all these knowledges are starting to say you've made a mess of things, quite frankly. Also,
1: when you think about Western knowledges, one cosmology or one idea has dominated those as well. And so the indigenous knowledges of the West have been totally squashed, like, ages ago.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's like... The strangled hold that scientific rationality has mm. had on um, our imagination.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: We, we, you know, we're locked into this this, this perpetual cycle of productivity and consumption mm. within a society that is racist, patriarchal, mm. mm. you know, um,
1: and sexist. Judgment, mm.
2: And so climate change is really just part and parcel mm. of the consequences of that universal mm. domination of one, you know, one one knowledge, one theology, yeah. one philosophy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, from an Indigenous perspective, well, we can help you out here because we need you. You know, the, the, the stakes have gone through the roof that we yeah. can't sit back and watch you drive us over the cliff.
1: It's sort of life and death at this stage.
2: Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I love your description of going up the river when you're young and that totally different way of being with the land and with each other. I definitely don't have an experience of actually living in that interconnected way.
2: Yeah, that article sort of—you know—we've just finished talking about universality and the power mm. of one, one single narrative. But in my lifetime, I've experienced three mm. different knowledge systems. One is up the river, which is about as close to pre-colonial as you would get today. Mm. Uh, and the others, uh, the different forms of colonialism and how they've impacted on Māori in different locations. Mm. So, yeah.
1: You know, so that was like with your whāngau family, what was that like?
2: Um, it was different. And again, if we're trying to, you know, decolonize our imagination, mm. it, different experiences become part of your toolbox. To be able to think beyond modernity mm. is helped when you've experienced different contexts, different relationships, different sense of being and knowing and all that. And as an Indigenous person, we bring another perspective to the table, which is always we're the colonized mm. And so if you believe that our strength is in our diversity then multiple voices need to be heard mm. and not to say any one of them is the truth but between all of us we should be able to come up with some <laughs> better ideas than say what what the you know the, the domination of universality has to offer and yeah is that, that ability to have conversations about different knowledges mm. that, are, that are very much anchored in different cosmologies. It's
0: mm. It's, mm. A crucial,
2: it's a crucial element to what are the options. You know, we've only had one plate mm. in Maori cosmology. Knowledge is food. A lot of our whakatauki or proverbs reflect that relationship with knowledge. The money the middle, not the, you not know, the They're all proverbs. But they they both talk about knowledge as food, and the point for that is, knowledge is part of sustainability. Knowledge is not a private property.
1: Yeah, yeah. Knowledge
2: is, is still part of the commons,
0: mm.
2: and so the more we have references on the back of our scholarship we know we're moving away from that original mm. metaphysics to a, a, to a modern one to a colonial one mm. um, like
1: um because i've been focusing on economics but i think the more that i think about economics the more it does come down to economic systems come out of a way of seeing the world in a way of seeing each other and thinking and, yeah, I'm interested in what different systems of exchange and producing things could come out of a different worldview.
2: Yeah. The point that is hardest for the students to to, to really get their heads around um,
1: mm. is, is
2: this notion that cultures and traditions are creations and inventions. Mm. They're not natural phenomena. So they're all made up. Mm. So the history of humanity is an invention. And <laughs> and a lot of those inventions are illusions. Mm. Say, so for instance, it helps to go back to a clean white book. Mm. And, and you say, uh, okay, um, you've just started walking, standing upright, uh, walking on two legs and you're starting to think, what are some of the key questions you want to know? And so you go, where are we from? How do we get here? You know, a bit like the Martian landing on the Earth naked. Where am I from? Where does lightning come from? Where does thunder come from? And where do we go when we die? Mm. Those, those philosophical questions, but they're important questions if you have no answers to them. And so everybody over the world made up their own answers. <laughs> you know, so according to ancient Greeks, we came from the Earth. Prometheus, uh, according to us, we came from um, Tani and the earth, and the Quran talks about first heaven coming from the clay. So, we all pretty much made up the same sort of story around mm-hmm. where we mm-hmm. came from mm-hmm. with thunder, Zeus. Uh, we've got Tafiri Matia with earthquakes, it's Poseidon, and uh, mm-hmm. we've got Laumako, But we differ on where, where we go when we die.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
2: And the European concept of death is we go to the underworld, we cross the River Styx, and we don't come back. Mm. So your whole life is about a one-time
1: adventure. A yeah. It's <laughs> a race.
2: You know, and Alexander's racing around the world, and everybody's racing around the world. Mm. Because Under that cosmology, you're only here for, for one time.
1: So it's a good time. What's in the Maori cosmology? The Maori
2: cosmology is that we our body dies, but our spirit stays alive.
1: Mm, mm. Our
2: spirit goes to another place, but mm. then it comes back. It's very similar wow. to Indian culture.
1: Oh, and, is it? That's interesting.
2: Yeah, and so and the the general story of 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 where the Wairua goes in New Zealand is it goes. Up north and then at the tip of the island that Hawaii to it, then it goes to Hawaii mm. mm. But Aie, we we have two paths for the spirits, one that goes out to Hawaii and one that comes back. The point of that cosmological difference is if you're here for one time and like I said, with ancient Greece, you, you only went to the underworld, so there was a vacancy upstairs and then they got there. <laughs> And all of a sudden now we have these rules to live the good life or else you won't go to heaven, which is a powerful thing to have. Mm, and yeah. so you're behaving to, you know, to a particular entity and mm. shoot your afterlife. Mm. But if you don't have that thing of death, if infinity is lived in the following generations, mm. then you have a different way of behaving, which means I'm going to be accountable and responsible after I going. So I have to be a good person all the time. It's a very different cosmology. yeah has consequences in terms of how those different civilizations evolve or develop. Mm. Mm. But again, that it, it all comes down to who can make up the most effective story.
0: Mm. <laughs> and people have a lot
2: of have a lot of problems with with, with the notion that cultures and traditions are inventions and creations.
0: Mm.
2: But they are. Even today with in the neoliberal post-tuty settlement environment is uh, we're making
0: it up. <laughs> yeah. We've been in the
2: situation before. And so if we all trying to find the best way forward, then extending the options that we can choose from becomes, you know, part of, of that challenge. And this is why I'm so grateful to Ter and Massimo mm. and the Quadro Trust, because they've mm. supported my work mm. enormously so that I could... I can. I spend a lot of time thinking about an Indigenous contribution to this conversation, mm. and that's all it is. But, yeah, Malcolm X, I think, is a good example. You know, everybody knows Malcolm X would have been one of the most racist human beings on Earth. He used to call white people white devils, and
0: mm.
2: he, he he's articulate masterful. Uh, But long story short, he went to Mecca and he met all all types of human beings in Mecca. And then he realised that it's not the colour of your skin that's the problem, it's the handful of people that hold power on each side. Mm. The white people in power and the black people in power, they are the problem because racism actually suits their um, political interests and economic interests. And so he came up with this thing that if you can change the philosophy, you can change the thinking. Mm. And if you change the thinking, you can change the attitude. You change the attitude, you can change the behaviors. And if you change the behaviors, you can change the outcomes. Mm. And before he had the chance to have his first sermon in the Audubon, he got killed.
0: Oh, and, wow, so he, he never got to preach a, that. Yeah, and the court still
2: out on you who, who shot him.
0: Mm. Because
2: what he said was, I'm going to take whoever wants to be part of his congregation regardless. Wow, of
1: so him. he had a real turnaround. He did. He changed
2: his philosophy when he mm. realized that. Mm. that,
1: that it's that. really cool that, that philosophy knowledge. can change. Yeah. It's, well, it's really cool that it can change at such a deep level.
2: Yeah, and the question then becomes, how do you change the philosophy? Mm. For me, it it begins with the cosmology.
0: Mm. And
2: um, a Portuguese scholar, uh, sorry, Puerto Rican scholar, Raymond ross he talks about European civilization as a cosmology of destruction Mm. and other cultures, cosmologies as a cosmology or indigenous cultures as a cosmology of reproduction. Mm. And when you look at Māori cosmology, you can easily see how that comes about. And so by looking at the different trajectories, like mm. the Korean trajectory and how we came to be separated from nature
0: mm.
2: in pre-colonial Māori where we lived with nature, Mm. And then colonial Maori, where the goal was assimilation.
1: Yeah.
2: And then neoliberal Maori, where the goal ah. was privatization and commodification. Then you you get to appreciate the hard work that needs to get back to pre-colonial Maori cosmologies, yeah. so we can offer something that is different.
1: Yeah.
2: Because my fear yeah. is. The trajectory that Māori taken, especially post-treaty settlement in the mm. in 40 years of neoliberalism, is removed that difference. Mm. And one of the nicest definitions for indigeneity that I've heard is indigeneity is about being different. Mm. And uh, groups go out of their way to be different. And that's the resistance that a lot of Indigenous groups have against colonialism and imperialism and expansionism. Mm. Concern that we're no longer different. And when you're no longer different, then you're going to have real issues with the scholarship around (laughs) Indigenous. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you have a a sort of big vision or a sense of how? Can you tell me about it?
2: It all comes down to reclaiming our cognitive and moral capacities. This is a a Gramscian argument, Antonio Gramscian. What he says was that capitalism has killed our imagination. Mm. And in killing our imagination, our levels of thinking and and our our understanding of of, of morality is Mm. considerably reduced. So we, we stop thinking and we stop behaving in a way that doesn't satisfy uh, capitalism's very narrow um, trajectory.
0: Mm. And, and so, who was this? Who's, who
2: oh, Antonio Gramsci. Oh. Uh, he, he was an Italian philosopher and he was interested in the separation between the south of Italy, the poor part and oh. the rich north of Italy. Mm. He could see the role that capitalism. He's a Marxist, but you know, it, mm. it, it, and if capitalism is the problem, then we really need to revisit this early literature and part mm. of the illusion of capitalism is to make any alternative scary. You know, mm. you create another in which you then negate. Mm. Uh, so. That whole understanding of how our imagination has been colonized mm-hmm. by capitalism is really important to understand because, like I said earlier, we're locked in the cycle of productivity and consumption. We mm. have to work in some money to spend it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's
1: it, such a tight trap that, that you get into.
2: Yeah. And again, when you talk with Tu and interview two and, and his solution mm-hmm. is we need to have smaller, smaller economies. We need to reduce our consumption, our energy consumption mm-hmm. and all of that. And my sort of view as well, I can help that because my goal is to have smaller society, mm-hmm. reduce society. Like we have deglobalization and degrowth, which means relocalisation, developing the local context. And that's mm-hmm. how pre-colonial Maori society was devolved. Uh, so my uh, my end goal is to have qualitatively richer, mm. not exploitative mm. marae-based mm. relationships mm. That create a conscious relationship between people and nature. Oh, yeah. And we have the infrastructure in place. They're called marae.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, again... We need to decolonize capitalism by recolonizing our relationship with nature, mm. and our marae are the very few places left that still operate on a daily basis under that cosmology. Mm. And I have this vision with the pre-colonial Maori. The marae was the was the political, economic, social centre. Of of Maori Fano and hapu, mm. and and their mana was very clearly defined territorially.
1: Yeah. Is okay. Right? Yeah.
2: And so, you know, why can't we then just become more inclusive of that territory and become all become kaitiaki of that territory, mm. so people feel safe, welcome, mm. and you know, free to carry educational programs around the cosmology of Rangi and Papa and what that means in a practical sense, and that they become the, the monitoring centre for that small area in mm. terms of reduction of en- energy consumption and waste. Mm. They, our have been reduced to just cultural artefacts, but they're much more than that they can become, again, the political, economic and and social centre of different communities. And we just need to be more imaginative in our thinking and also need to understand the origins of racism, Mm. of patriarchy,
0: Mm.
2: of poverty. Mm. Because if you don't address those things, then we're not going to be able to develop Those strong community relationships Mm -hmm. that are probably necessary to develop movements.
1: Yeah,
2: and it's saying, "Well, thank you, politicians. Thank you, corporations. You're doing nothing." And (laughs) and again, it's a Gramscian notion. He calls them cultural clubs. You, You just have these artists, and they're politically and socially and economically active, but rather than trying to change the whole paradigm of economics or society, mm. your world becomes the relationship that the local marae has with the family. Mm. And yeah,
1: so. that, that sounds really wonderful. How yeah. would um, pakiha fit in and how can pakiha sort of contribute to that vision or be part of it?
2: Oh, again, like Malcolm X, you know, we need the science. I'm not wishing mm. we the science is, is science. The problem mm. is when the politicians get hold of the science, they ruin mm. it for everybody. They're in, they're in this denial mode at the moment. 99.9% of the world's scientists are saying, we're in trouble. And big money's buying that 1% who cast out. And, and this is what Western civilization has been based on. Mm. This need for certainty. So if you can cast doubt on anything, then it it loses its, its validity because it mm. doesn't satisfy their, their, their criteria. Mm. That's what big money does. It
0: just, mm. it
2: just does enough to cast doubt on science. So it's not the science that's the problem. What science needs is a soul. science. Mm. And this mm-hmm. nice. indigenous contribution comes in. We, we can work, we can work with, you know, I mean, I mean work, like not not this, this voluntary stuff, you know, this work in partnership because for 30 years in, of, of community act, activism, invariably the Māori are the only ones in that room not being paid to be there. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know,
2: no wonder we're not hiding to nothing. We're up against armies of corporate capacities.
1: Yeah.
2: Just running rings around us. So... What science needs is some help. And Mm -hmm. where Māori come in is that we have, as tamata whenua, we have the capacity to support the scientists. We have the human, basic human rights. This is our belief that the earth is a living entity. Mm. These scientists are saying that we're killing it. And so as as part of our human rights as indigenous people, we, we need to start making claims. We also have our, our rights as Indigenous people, um, we're told we're to judge, oh, sorry, those aspirational documents. Well, we've got to make them more than aspirational. Mm. And This is what our our communities need, is they need hope. That's all we're saying. We need mm. hope. We need hope that we can do something. It's not hopeless. And mm. we've got the Treaty of Waitangi. Mm. All the, the proponents of A growth is good are trying to get rid of Indigenous rights, the Treaty of Waitangi, and all of that. Mm. It was, they're, they're the one lever that New Zealand colonialism forgot about. You know, most countries have treaties after a war, and mm. they're totally signed as, as a result of defeat. We did it the other way.
1: Yeah, we so, had the treaty so and then the war.
2: See. So it gives the treaty a different meaning, but the yeah. whole point of it is, if you get uh, non-Maori communities our scientists and a, and a critical mass of Maori around the Mirai working mm. collaboratively, then mm. I think we can progress the challenge a little bit mm. around the series of it. And of course, mm. on the other side is that you know you're not allowed to be racist when you come to Mirai You're not allowed to be patriarchal when you come to the Mirai and. We're going to all learn about poverty and say, you're it's a consciousness of racing whose time has come. It's like in, in the 16th, 17th century Europe, it was a, a period of great skepticism, uncertainty. Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody like mm-hmm. death, you had the little ice age, you had inquisitions, you had requisite, you had. Lumber's killing the rest of the world. You had all sorts of things going on, and and science stepped in, mm. you
0: know,
2: to show a way forward, which was science, mm. which was being able to explain the unexplainable, being able to explain the universe, mm. uh, which, which worked. So um, we need to be doing that again. Mm. We need to come back together to explain the unexplainable. And the unexplainable isn't the universe, the style, it's human greed. Mm. How do we explain human greed? How mm. do we explain the ego? How it's do that,
1: you explain those? The ego. Yeah.
2: It's about. It's not about the people anymore. It, it is about the ego. You know, when mm. we have political leaders that all live in mansions, then no wonder we don't have a capital gains tax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's that sort of consciousness awareness, mm-hmm. uh, that can happen on the right, and then collaboratively the politicisation becomes active monitoring, active education programs mm-hmm. lobbying for for rangi and papa to be an integral part of New Zealand's curriculum, not as mm-hmm. a mythical agent, mm-hmm. as a science. Mm-hmm. As a it's, yeah
1: uh, it's something about the that coming together of the science and the cosmology uh, yeah science with soul and, science. and it's,
2: science. science is not the enemy the enemy is what Malcolm X said is people in power who are controlling the conversation hmm. it's the it's the it's the people who control the, the social media platforms hmm. because they control the funding of our politicians and, and hmm. it's, it's a mess. Uh, but, you know, people are giving up hope, I think, because we don't do that type of citizenship education anywhere. We don't do it at school. Mm. We don't talk about, um, you know, the the capacity of the community to become engaged. And in this particular case, it's, it's more than the capacity, it's the urgency mm. of our communities to stop being spectators. And for Māori, we can't say that we have a different cosmology that sees the earth as a living entity if we also are passengers. Mm. And so the challenge is not just to our communities as a whole, the challenge is that Māori need to regain their imagination. Mm. Colonisation and neoliberalism has done what 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 it's done to everybody else, and presented this, this single determinable um, reality, which is an illusion. The illusion of racism—it's an invention. The illusion of patriarchy—you know, they, first it was God, and then it was science that created these false dichotomies. Not science, philosophy and mm-hmm. dualism and all that sort of stuff. And then we had Adam Smith who, who convinced the world that capitalism and its narrow individual self-interest was the only way to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where has the counter-argument gone? Yeah. Has this, this ability for, for normal people like at UNI just go, this is so this is so wrong? But not to politicians, not to scholarly journals, and not to conferences, but to our communities.
0: Mm.
2: And how do you get our communities to come together under a single cause? It's about not unity and homogeneity, which is the history of Western civilization, it's about unity and diversity. Mm. Bring those diverse people together in in an environment. That is is reflective of what makes up that society. At the moment, the Maoris go to the marae and the Pakis go to the community hall or go to the you mm. know mm. somewhere else. As long as that's going to happen, we're not going to have the solidarity that is needed in this urgency. We're not going to be able to imagine what a smaller economy looks like, what reduced consumption looks like in practice. Mm. Um, what do you
1: think we need to do to get together into the same place? To all come, oh, right, yeah. this is
2: it, you know. Again, I, I can't not thank to and, you know, Marceline and the Quadrant mm-hmm. Trust for supporting people like you who then invite people like me, and you've got people like
0: Max. Yeah,
2: so it's like wow, this is how it starts. You've got mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. critical mass. And Mm. you get the different options, and then we all run off in our different directions and come back and say, how do you? (laughs) But it's about the verb, you see. Indigenous metaphysics is verb-based. That's what you do.
0: Mm. Western
2: metaphysics is noun-based. It's what you say. Yeah, yeah. And so by bringing the Western and and, and indigeneity together, we got praxis. Mm. Where words are not enough and activism on its own is not enough, we need theory and action, reflection.
1: Mm. What do you call that? Praxis?
2: Praxis, yeah.
1: Praxis. How do you spell that? P-R-A-X-A-S or something? Yeah, that's
2: it. It's just action and, and, sorry, reflection and action.
1: Mm. I had this feeling from my education and then just growing up in the neoliberal society, I think, that, I feel like I'm always being rushed, like it would be indulgent to spend too long talking about philosophy. I really want to talk about that most of the time. But I feel like somehow, somewhere along the line, I got trained to, you know, I have to make this productive at some point or I have to get to the point. And I feel like I'm up against that.
2: Well, when neoliberalism took hold, you know, it was about a knowledge economy. Mm -hmm. It was about giving everything in society a market value. Mm. And so the, the mm. philosophers and historians, their value was, was low. It was the STEM mm. subjects that have the high value, science, technology, engineering, maths. Mm. And so over the years, over the last, over 40 years, philosophy and history has lost its place within academic institutions. It's data all over. It's giving yeah. priority to the intellect and no consideration
1: to the soul. I studied physics and maths, and even when you study science, the philosophy is missing from that, because my whole journey has been about trying to reunite science and spirituality, and um, I felt like really squashed and starved within that science culture because it was missing the people and it was missing the history and the philosophy from it and then also in the research scientists just want to explore and like to discover and generally the scientists were quite wonderful people and really curious and full of imagination but they're trying to work within this system that is always needing results and always needing them to show how it makes money at the end which yeah. is really crippling
2: yeah and, and that's where scientists and academics we're both the masters and the slaves of the systems in which we are, yeah. you know, mm. everything now in academia it's about performance-based research funding. Mm. In science, it's about contestable funding. And mm. so the corporations are, are directing that type of, of uh, energy toward those outcomes that they mm. want. And mm. so we we can come back with people like two who I oh, can, yeah. can see this happening. Yeah. And, and and we need to be we need to be able to give that soul back to science. It's not mm. science, that's the problem. Mm. It's the politicians. There's a lovely mm. story. Uh Māori Master and, um, and, and and a Ngāpuhi scholar mm. came back from the Second mm. World War. And at the time there was still a house of learning, Māori, an ancestral house of learning with the toolness and he went to them and he explained about the animal and the splitting of the atom, and oh. they had no problem with it. They could understand <laughs> it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, in our language, it's all there. Mm, but mm. their question was could they put the atom back together again? <laughs> so, Good had, question. No. No.
0: Then he said,
2: <laughs> then what did they do with it? And he said, the politicians took it with the knowledge. Oh. And, again, that's where the problem lies. Yeah, yeah. And then so in Māori cosmology, we have two different knowledge systems. We have an upper knowledge or upper jaw Mm. that is very restrictive. Its whole essence is sacred. So it's not for everybody. It's too dangerous. It's
0: controlled
2: access to that type of knowledge. Mm. And then you have the kawai Daru, which is an and papa in us on Earth.
1: And that's the lower jaw, isn't that's it? That's noah, Yeah, that's
2: the lower jaw. That, and that knowledge is for us mere humans. Mm. And so, in pre-colonial Maori community, the Tuhunga, who, who had this knowledge, they lived on the edges of the community.
0: Ah, oh, yeah.
2: They lived the community. See, they they were the conduits between the the sacred knowledge mm-hmm. and the chiefs. They would give advice. That's all mm-hmm. advisors. But they they lived in that world all the time. They, mm-hmm. they they weren't part of the community as such. They were sacred. You mm-hmm. know, drawings of the Tohunga with the potato on the end of the stick being fed. Oh really? Sacred. You couldn't stand in their shadow. You, this is the awareness our Tipuna had about mm-hmm. power of knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know?
2: So it, it, it wasn't turned into a product. Yeah, that politicians could then abuse, mm.
1: uh,
2: which is what's happened to science since mm. the industrial revolution.
0: Mm.
2: Is that um, you know wonderful invention, wonderful expansion of understanding. Then, mm. if, if that technology ends up in the wrong hands, you have environmental crisis. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: inevitable. You know who invented capitalism? Where the idea is. We live in a planet of infinite resources. What a dumb idea that was, you see. Mm. And, and so, how do we rebalance that that distinction between what's an illusion and and what is the vision we want to create?
0: Mm. Mm.
2: What is the other yeah. that we want to develop? Because yeah, it, it, it came down to Copernicus going, "Oh, sorry." It's Mm -hmm. an illusion. You know, the sun doesn't revolve around us. And then Descartes, with a stick in the water, no, that's an illusion. So you can't trust your senses. Mm. You get rid of the senses, you get rid of the soul.
1: Yeah, you cut up your body.
2: It's that we we left the soul behind. And Mm. for 300 years, um, the politicians, those small people that Malcolm X talked about, small, powerful Mm. people, have determined the terms of the conversation. Mm. What needs to happen is we need a revolution of the mind.
0: Mm.
2: Again, a Gramscian term. We need a revolution, but it's not going to be physical or armed. It's going to be a revolution of the mind. And in order to have a revolution of the mind, we need to decolonize our imagination. We need oh, yeah. yeah. To see another world is possible. Mm. And you know, the infrastructure, as I said, is there. Every community has a marae close by. Yeah. And you imagine in urban-based marae in Auckland. Oh, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd be so busy creating employment as climate change monitors, as, mm-hmm. as energy reduction monitors, as, because that's the future we're looking at. So, sorry.
1: Economically, I'm just imagining to, to make that possible, you'd need to put funding through marae so, so that you could pay people to do all those roles.
2: Yes, but the marae is going to be a community. It's a collaboration mm-hmm. of the community. So mm. the marae is just the vehicle in which the community can find expression.
1: Yeah, okay. It's
2: not in terms of that dichotomous and us. Yeah. To overcome those false barriers that we've created as a result of the creation of racism. Mm -hmm. Somebody decided that we're going to have a line right through society. Mm. It's going to be superior people, and then there's going to be inferior people. Mm. And we need to get rid of the line. You know, W.E.B. Bois calls it the color line. Franz Fallon calls it the dividing line. Eddie Cloud, he talks about the values gap where some people are valued more than other people.
0: Mm, we mm. All, these are all
2: made-up stuff, inventions. This whole division of our society was in, in service of capitalism. Even patriarchy, the, once the church got kicked out because they were afraid of women because of the power women had and the alternative knowledges mm. women had, mm. and then capitalism carried on that tradition by reducing women to unpaid elements of, of mm, the, mm. The production. Mm. You know? And so if we can have a, just a cursory understanding of that history, a teacher of whakamori, know your past so mm. that we can move forward without making the same mistakes. Mm. You know, mm. What history is replete with uh, historical moments where people have forgotten to read the minutes of the last meeting. So we keep <laughs> the yeah. perpetuating the illusion Mm. of superiority and inferiority. The illusion that men are are more superior to women, the illusion that one ethnicity is is more powerful than the other, those are all social constructions. They're not natural Mm. phenomena. And so Mm. we need to understand how science has played a part in that creation so that Mm. we construct those illusions and start to understand that, unity and homogeneity is not going to work for us. I think the best example I've heard of that is where mathematics was the unifying factor. And Mm. so so you imagine triangles. um, Big triangles, little triangles, red triangles, orange triangles. And the universal law of triangles is that all the angles on the inside add up to 290 degrees. Mm. And so, two ninety degrees becomes the definition of triangles.
0: Mm. It's not,
2: not, (laughs) you know, and that's the difference. Where science and and the scientific revolution, in order to understand nature, they went beyond nature. They went around the back. They went. They did. They stopped looking at nature and went around. uh, Uh, Whereas whereas people like God said, "Well, that's a mistake. It's like a child looking in a mirror." And then going around the back to see what makes mm-hmm. the mirror work. Mm-hmm. That Western civilization is based on the desire to examine and to reduce everything. About to kind
1: it. of like have the ideal form or the. To dominate
2: and control nature by breaking it down to its smallest component.
1: Mm, mm. Indigenous
2: metaphysics is based on marveling at nature mm. and, and looking at the relationships. Mm. that that exists within nature and looking into and deep into nature, not around the back, Mm. and turning nature into an abstract concept with no relationship to reality. Mm. Yeah, I think the the false binaries between, you know, this is the only science, well, that's silly, who made it that silly idea? (laughs) Um, I'm saying this is the only human being. Well, yeah. That's what the Pope said in 1492. What did he say? Is it "Indigenous people of the Caribbean, do they have a god? No. Well, if they don't have a god, they don't have a soul." Oh well, that's they so stupid. Soul, they can't be human. Mm. And so that dehumanising of, of a human was the first time in human history that's ever happened. Mm. That a human, a group of humans, have been have been classified as non-human. Mm. That classification became the international division of labour. Mm. Um, you know, once the Atlantic commercial circuit kicked in, the first global capitalism, and the the problem became intensified. when that commercial circuit replaced the Silk Road, and the Age Golden Age of Islam, because mm. Islam these scientific breakthroughs, but they also maintained their beliefs. Mm. They saw the importance of knowledge and theology. Mm. It wasn't until, oh, until yeah. that empire was was replaced by the Atlantic commercial, by Western globalization, that the collaboration between science and theology stopped.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, right.
2: Because Christendom weren't doing themselves any favors because they. They were being quite embarrassing, really, to the Bible and to Christians, Mm. them being the authority of the church. Mm. They were selling indulgences for for money. That's when Martin Luther and the Reformation started. It was a challenge to the church at the time. And, of course, Mm. the scientists were sitting back going, God's getting us in trouble here. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so that was the transition from God to science. Yeah. But it's the first time in human history that science has been without a soul. Mm. keep it honest, to keep it balanced. And, mm. and 300 years later, we're looking at the consequences, which is mm. the dehumanisation of humanity through racism, mm. the very of women through patriarchy, the um, dehumanising uh, of, of poor people, through Mm. an economic system that is completely um, misguided Mm. and environmental crisis. So from an indigenous perspective, to look at the the climate change in its isolation is to not understand the relationships that exist. And so nothing exists in isolation in indigenous
0: metaphysics.
2: There's always consequences for the inventions you create And Mm. uh, we're living that now. Mm.
1: Mm. I hope you'll come back and join us for the rest of the conversation, which I'll release in a couple of weeks. If you'd like to listen to the show again or my previous interviews and blogs, you can go to thegoodenergyproject.substack.com. I'll release this one as a podcast in a few days. If you subscribe, you'll get new interviews, blogs, and updates straight to your email inbox. The show is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a few other platforms. Just search for The Good Energy Project. I hope that works. And... Lastly, thank you to Tur and Marceline at the Quattro Trust for all your support and to the wonderful team at Wellington Access Radio for being industry encouraging and helpful. Kakite.